Good morning, everybody. How are we doing? Good morning, good morning, good morning. Hey, uh, if we've never met before, my name's Steve, so it's good to meet you. I feel like we're all best friends now, now that we know one another so deeply. Now, here's the deal. I, I, all joking aside, I, I don't know a lot of you, and some of you don't know me, but we do have something in common. In fact, I think all of us in this room, we all have this thing in common. And there's one thing. All of us want a carefree, struggle-free, easygoing life. Are you with me? Carefree, struggle-free, easygoing life. We, everybody at the heart, we, we just want this with the deepest desire, with everything we have in us. And we want this. And, and some of you, you're at church this morning right now, either in the building or online, because you're hoping by being here at church, you've somehow twisted God's arm into granting you a carefree, struggle-free, easygoing day. And there's nothing wrong with that. But the truth is, yeah, that doesn't really happen, does it? I try as we might, you know, some of us, we even pray. We start our mornings. We're like, Lord, please help us get through today. Help it be a good day. Help whatever not to happen. Right. And fill in the blank. Cause we, we all have that. You go out to eat, you pray, you ask God to bless the food. And hopefully, you know, somehow by eating fast food or going out to eat, we're going to lose weight. And we say, Lord, help me, you know, <laughs> forgive this sin that I'm about to do so I can, you know, look better because summer's approaching. Right. We, we all have these things and, and then we face this. And in fact, here's what's so interesting. Last week, um, we set aside a whole set. The nation set aside a whole Sunday for moms. And what do moms want more than anything in the world? Carefree, struggle-free, easygoing day. So all the moms around America, they united and they all said in unison, we want a day off. And all the husbands went, oh no, what do we do? So, so we did our best, right? Men, like we, we rallied and, and we took care of mom the best we knew how. But here, let me share what went down at, at the Osborne household. And in, instead of starting on Sunday, I have to start on Saturday night. Those of you with young kids, you already know what's about to happen. Um, the Saturday night, I was, okay guys, we gotta go to bed and, cause you know, tomorrow's mom's day, right? We gotta love on her and make it really, really good. Uh, and what did they do? They didn't, right? They pushed back and they're like, no, we're not tired. Little one keeps jumping out of bed, running down the hallway. The older one, I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. I got to go to the bathroom. I'm hungry and thirsty and I got to go to the bathroom all at the same time. It doesn't work that way. So we had that whole mess, right? You're familiar with this. Finally, they go down to bed. It's great. Now, Sunday morning, um, you don't know this about me, but I, I work on Sunday mornings. <laughs> so rise and shine, baby. I'm out, which means the wife of my dreams, the mother of my child, child, child children, um, she's there. So they get up and they're grumpy because they had poor sleep, right? And so she went and made them breakfast and said, eat this and let's make it happen. They didn't want to eat it. So they're grumpy. They didn't want to eat the food. She also laid out clothes for the kids. Does this sound vaguely familiar to anyone with children? Okay. Yeah. You're all with me. She lays out clothes and of course the kids don't want it, right? More screaming, more yelling, more fighting. Don't worry. They end up in the car. We drive all the way here. More screaming. We're fighting, right? But like, yeah, Jesus, we're going to church. You know, that whole thing. So she gets them checked into their age-appropriate classrooms, right? Drops the little guy off. Little one is just screaming, ah! but she doesn't care. It's mom's day. It's her day. She's like, this is your mess. You deal with this. I'm going to go worship Jesus. And so that's what she does, right? And we get in here and she gets to sit down next to the man of her dreams. She just deepest desires, just smartest, wisest, best looking. It is me. It's me. So she sits down next to me, we go through the service, and, and I'm like, oh man, here's what moms love more than anything, is photos of their kids. So if you remember, we had photo booths out there, right, in the comments, and so we hopped in line like everyone else did, and we got up there, and I went, oh babe, you're going to love this, this is going to be awesome. And she goes, okay, because she knows something I don't know. Our kids are, are terrors, they're crazy. So we hop in line, and I go, okay, we're going to take the family photo. And you remember, those of you who did it, you, you get four shots, right? It, it just four of them in a row, and here's what it is. So here's the first one of our family. 
Again, we're a family of four, but you wouldn't know it. Here's the next one. Still a family. Three out of the four. We, we just swapped out children. Here's our, our third shot. We got all four, but their eyes are closed. And then we finally said, forget this. It is what it is. And this is our struggle. Free, carefree, easy going. Mother's Day. <laughs> but in that little that little window, that little snapshot, we met what I think all of us meet, and it is what I call the resistance. You've met this in your life. It doesn't matter what you're doing. The resistance is that thing that makes whatever you're trying to do more difficult. Here's the definition, right? Anything that makes whatever you're doing more difficult. It could be you're on you're on uh, a diet and eating well and exercising, and what's in the break room? Donuts, right? I mean, it's always there without fail. It happens all the time. It's you're on your way to a job interview and there's traffic, right? You're hitting resistance. It's when you have your kids and it's your kids, right? I mean, it's just the resistance. It's there. It can be, it can be your house. It can be your finances. It can be your boss. It can be your spouse. It can be your in-laws. It can be whoever. It's just that thing that impedes you whenever you're trying to do something in your life. And what's so fascinating about the resistance is we kind of get shocked when we're faced with it. We're like, oh man, why is this happening? Like life shouldn't go this way, right? And we kind of get, we get, we just get curious as to why in the world would something difficult be happening in life right now? That's not supposed to happen, but yet it does. And some of us, the resistance, it's not out there, is it? It's in here. It's the person in the mirror. And then we go, oh no, I'm the problem, I have to deal with this. And some of us do. We even get, we get overwhelmed by this and we become uh, philosophers and we just sit there and go, okay, man, why? I'm a good person. Why do all these bad things happen? Right? And if you're a Christian, you go, God, I've even prayed about this and you're a good God. Why in the world are these things happening? Well, it's because we've met resistance. So the question that you and I have to ask ourselves is what do we do when we're faced with resistance on any level. There's levels of resistance. Some of us have less. Some of us have more. Some of us are in the middle, but what do we do? What's the appropriate Christian response and what, and how we act and respond to it? What does that say about our faith? And more importantly, what does that say about the person our faith is in? What do we do with this? Because we've all faced it, whether you're on the mountaintop and you're looking down at people in the valley going, ha ha sucker. Don't worry, your turn's coming. You know you're up. By the way, the only way to get to the peaks and, and the mountaintop is to go through the valley. Are you with me? It's, you're doing this. Your life is going to be like this. So it's coming. Buckle up. But here's the thing. We're in a series. It's called The Good Stuff. It's everything that, all the good stuff that happened after Jesus pulled off Easter. You got the Holy Spirit, birth of the church, the resistance. And in the rest of our time together, I'm going to spend the next two and a half hours trying to convince you. I'm just kidding. But try to convince you the good that comes from resistance. So if you've got a Bible, open up to the book of Acts. We'll do it in chapter 7. Acts chapter 7. And, and here's the context, right? I already talked about, we, we, we talked about Pentecost and we talked about the birth of the church. The apostles are gathering together and there are other disciples that are gathering together. They're going out and they're sharing the gospel. They're proclaiming the kingdom of God. They're sharing Jesus Christ as Messiah. They're doing all these miracles, these signs and these wonders. And the, a group of religious leaders at the time are furious with this group of Christians because there's only one God. It's Yahweh, not not Jesus. So what you're proclaiming, apostles and disciples, is, is blasphemous. You, you can't see that. You can't do that here. So there's trouble. 
resistance is brewing. And there's even a guy named Stephen. We'll look at him in a second. But Stephen goes out, proclaims the gospel of Jesus Christ, signs and wonders, and he gets in huge trouble. Huge trouble to the point where they drag him off and they grab rocks and they throw them at him. And we'll just read it. We'll, We'll pick it up. We'll read it. Acts chapter 7, verse 54. It's a really, really interesting story. So here we go. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. When you hear Sanhedrin, just think like local government. That's probably the the simplest way to just identify that. Verse 55, but Stephen, here's our phrase, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God in Jesus, standing at the right hand of God. look, Look, here's what he says. He says, look, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And at this, they are furious. That's blasphemous. You you don't dare say that. And here's what they did. Verse 57. At this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they rushed at him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. Circle Saul, highlight that. He's a very important character. We'll come back to that later in the series. But you need to understand that he proclaims a vision that Jesus has given him. Stephen says what it is. The Sanhedrin, the religious leaders, are horrified. They yell at him. They rush at him. They drag him, much like you would drag a two-year-old who's thrown a fit in the grocery aisle. You drag him out of the city. They grab rocks stones and they throw stones at him not you get out of here and we're going to throw this at you and hit you in the ankle they grab rocks and they literally stone him to death there's a little bit of resistance there are you with me a little bit of resistance now here's what i find fascinating is his response to the resistance he's facing verse 57 while they were stoning him Stephen prayed. He prayed. He, he didn't curse them. He didn't yell at them. He didn't fight back. He, he prayed. Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Meaning, forgive them. Any good Jewish student of the scriptures or even of the Jesus movement would read this later on and go, this, this, is, this is echoing the words of Jesus on the cross. Forgive them for they know not what they do. Not condemn them. Not kill them. Not sick them, Jesus. Go get them. <laughs> None of that. It's just forgive them. I, I find this fascinating that this is the response. That he does not rally. I don't even know that he could. But it's a prayer. Forgive them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. And Saul approved of their killing of him. Here we go. Acts chapter 8, verse 2. On that day, the very same day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Not, not a little uh, infringement, not a, a small uh, injustice or hurt or hatred or insult or difficulty. A great, and when you hear great, think powerful, strong, abusive persecution broke out. It's go time. Verse 2, godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. 
But Saul began to destroy the church, going from house to house. He dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. This morning we're talking about resistance. In this passage, we're talking about persecution. We've heard the phrase, the struggle is real. The struggle is very, very real. In your notes, and we'll walk through this together with the rest of our time. In your notes, number one, here's the thing. For you and I to get through the resistance, for there to be some good that comes out of this, we need to accept that life is difficult. Can I get an amen? Amen. (laughs) So glad you're at church this morning. Thanks for coming here. Life is difficult. But it is though, isn't it? We all, even this morning, some of you, you had fights with your spouse, the person you love most in the world. You argued on the drive over. We're going to, life is difficult. We're going to hit some resistance along the way, right? Here's what Jesus said. And, and Kelly even quoted it in the video. I've told you these things. This is Jesus. So that in me, you may have peace in this world. You're, you're going to have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. I find it fascinating that he says that, that he didn't say I've done away with trouble. That's still around. He's just overcome the world, which means there's still going to be some trouble. Then there's also this false belief that if somehow I'm facing a difficulty in life, it means, it means I've done something wrong or Jesus is upset with me and I'm being punished. And if you've ever gone down that mental pathway, I want to just hit the brakes as hard as you can, make a U-turn and drive the other way. God is not mad at you. Sometimes bad things just happen in life. Now, I think two big things, if we're going to paint in broad strokes, um, one is just we're reaping the consequences of our foolish choices. You ever done something stupid and suffered? That's part of it. And then the other thing, look, we live in a fallen, broken world with a lot of evil, hurtful, mean people. We're bound to get banged up every once in a while. Life is difficult. There, there's even a segment of, of Christianity, and maybe you've experienced this growing up, where uh, if, if something bad happens to you, it's because you have a lack of faith. Or it's because of sin. And and if you had more faith and if you didn't do that specific sin, then your life would be, well, it'd be carefree, easygoing, struggle-free life. And and that's, that's not it at all. Jesus says this in Matthew 5, verse 45. He causes, uh, he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. I simply want to remind us here that life is difficult. It's challenging. It can be frustrating. You will face some resistance. Aren't you glad you came to church for an encouraging message? Now, for them, it was persecution. And I want to hit pause real quick, do a quick sidebar, and then we'll jump back to our story. Um, There's been a lot of debate lately with COVID, 2020, all of the rules and stuff. Is is the church being persecuted or not? And I think this is a phenomenal conversation for us to have in our small groups. There's even questions for you guys to talk about this. But I want to give a definition of persecution for us to work with so we're all on the same page. So here it is. Persecution, systematic infliction or punishment or penalty for adhering to a particular religious belief. And I think the key word in this definition is this, systematic. Systematic. And I I, want to say this, and then like I said, you'll talk more about this this week in your small groups. Um, There are levels to persecution, just like there are levels to the resistance. And and I want to say, compared to our brothers and sisters in China and India and the underground church, we've got it pretty good. We've got it pretty good. So I'm not here whether to qualify like, yes, persecution, no persecution. That, that's between you guys and your experiences and your small group conversations and all that. I simply want to give us a level ground to work with and have the conversations go where they may and simply say there are levels to this and we need to pray for people at every level. Are you with me? Okay, so back, back to our text, back to our text. 
So here we go. Acts chapter 8, verse 4. We keep going. Those who had been scattered, here's what they did. They preached the word wherever they went. So you get it. The stoning of Stephen happens. Persecution, they take off, right? Those who have been scattered, they leave. They sell their homes. They take whatever they can grab. Quick little family meeting. You got this. You got this. You got the photos. You got the dog. Ah, leave the dog. We'll take the other things. Get out of Dodge. They leave. How bad would your life have to be for you and I to be in this situation? And remember, they got in trouble for speaking, for proclaiming the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, the availability of God's kingdom. They got in trouble for that. So what did they do? They left and common sense would say, keep your mouth shut. Mom's the word. Don't say nothing about Jesus and you'll be fine. Otherwise, you're going to have to pick up and move again. But what did they do? Well, it says here that those who had been scattered, they preached the word wherever they went. Huh. Keep reading. Verse 5. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and he proclaimed the Messiah there. That's Jesus. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. So number two, respond to the resistance with the gospel. Respond to the resistance with the gospel. It's not a self-help book. It's not a, where's my friend who agrees with me and we'll have our little powwow on the side. It's not, you know, better yourself and do all these things. It's no, no, no. We respond to it with the gospel. That's what they did. What's the gospel? Well, Jesus proclaimed the availability of the kingdom of God. It's at hand. You can be a part of this. You can, listen, you and I, this is great news. This is, some would say it's good news. It's gospel news. You and I, we could be citizens inside God's kingdom. We, we could be servants to the most loving, gracious king ever. All, all the good stuff happens in God's kingdom. What is God's kingdom? It's wherever God wants his will to occur, it occurs. It's whatever God wants to happen, happens. So what does God want to have happen? Great question. Probably unconditional love of him and neighbor. That'd be a good spot. Let's start there, right? He probably wants that in relationships. You want to know if the kingdom of God is at hand in relationships. Anytime someone says, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? The kingdom of God is at hand. And when that person says, I accept your apology and you know what? I was wrong in some of these areas. Will you forgive me? That's, that's reconciliation. That's healing. That's, that's love. Anytime someone is sick and they're being healed. Anytime someone is going through a go through and we pray for them and they go through their go through. That's, that's the kingdom of God moving. It's at hand. And you, you could be a part of it. And here's, here's what's, what's fascinating. Inside the kingdom of God, um, the king, the great king, will help transform us into the type of people so that we respond to situations like Jesus would respond to them. Now, just imagine, let your brains go there for a moment. Imagine whatever resistance you are facing today, and I'm sure there's all kinds in this room and online, what would happen to that resistance if you responded the way that Jesus would respond? I'm willing to bet, I'm willing to bet a whole truckload of money, not that I have it, but if I did, that it would resolve rather quickly and smoothly. Because, because here's what I think. There wouldn't be retaliation and anger. You, like I alluded to earlier, we wouldn't pray the sick him, Jesus. We wouldn't pray those prayers. Like, dear Jesus, just surround them with your love. Make them repent and change from all their ways and let them know that... No, not that one. There would be unconditional love. There would be mercy. There there would be justice. There would be humbleness in all of this. 
And I'm willing to bet what the world needs. I just know what the world needs is you and I to be transformed and to apply the love of God to every situation we find ourselves in. This is what they did. They were met with persecution and they didn't, they didn't like, okay, we're going to take down Rome and we're going to take down this Jewish sect. No, 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 no. They scattered and they kept telling the good news of Jesus Christ. And the church spread. Number two, you respond to the resistance with the gospel. Here's how Jesus said it. He said this in Matthew 6. You've heard it. It's the Lord's Prayer. He says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Your will on earth as it is in heaven. Bring what's up there down here to our situations, to our resistance. Maybe you need a word picture or or an image that can illustrate it. We did a series on Psalm 23. You should go back online and check this thing out. But Psalm 23, it says this, right? The Lord is my shepherd. He's the good shepherd and we are the sheep. And it says this, even though I walk through the darkest valley, your translation might say shadow of death. Even though I walk through the darkest valley or shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Fascinating in the midst of persecution. In the midst of your resistance, in our resistance. For you are with me. That's why I'm not fearing it. For God, you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Listen to this. And in the midst of that valley, here's what he says. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You know the children's book? Like, can't go around it, can't go over it, can't go under it. Gotta go through it. I don't know why, but he leads us through the valley and it's uncomfortable. It's not fun to talk about at dinner parties. It's not really fun to talk about at church, but here we are. We all have this thing and we're all going through this valley, our resistance, whatever you want to call it. And there's something good that comes out on the other side. Because listen, listen, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. It's a sign of blessing. There's blessing in the resistance. Okay, keep going. Acts chapter 8, verse 7. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. What would have to happen for the cities that we live in, wherever we are in Whatcom County, wherever you are online, for great joy to erupt? Number three in your notes, the gospel overcomes every form of resistance with good. It just does. What was the good that happened? The gospel was preached. People were healed and great joy in the city. If you've grown up in church and you've ever experienced something difficult or challenging in your life, you may have heard this phrase or this verse, sorry. It's Romans eight twenty eight, And we know that in all things, everything, all the things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. It's another one of our small group questions. I, I, I love this verse because for some of us, it's great hope. For some of us, we're left going, ah, if only that were true. And it begs us to wrestle with this question. How good do you really think God is? How, how good do you think he is? Do, do you think he's good or he's going to leave you hanging? Or, or everything is just random? That he doesn't have a plan to redeem this? How good do you think your good God is? Fascinating question and great conversation. Here's what James, the brother of Jesus, said. And you got to think, man, he he met some resistance. 
I mean, after all, Jesus is your brother, right? Like you're growing up together going, it seems to be a little easier for him. Why am I struggling with this thing? He's probably hit some resistance. Here's what he says. He says this in James chapter one, verse two, he says, consider it pure joy. That's what he says. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. And what do we tend to do? We not joy. We go, ah, shucks. Don't we? Ah, I'm going through it. Now, I think that's somewhat appropriate because it's difficult, right? Number one in your notes, life is difficult. But here's why. Verse three, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. How many of you in your life with Jesus Christ have ever had your faith tested? You ever gone through something and you went, well, that wasn't according to plan. Well, well, whose plan? Your plan, right? I didn't see that one coming. If I could avoid this, I would. Right? We pray it, Lord, take me out of this. But you can consider your trial joy because your faith is going to produce perseverance, which means the next time you find yourself in resistance, you can draw from past experience. And if I, I, if I was able to endure and persevere here, I could probably do the same here. And even better, because we're a church and we're a community here. When someone else is going through a resistance, you can go, I, I can speak into that. I know literally exactly how you feel. I have been there. My faith was weakened. I was doubtful. I had questions. I was hurting. I didn't know what to do. Ah, but God proved faithful and I developed a little bit of perseverance. And listen to this. It gets better. Verse four, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. Some of us, we're stuck in the resistance in our issues, in our struggles, in our struggles, because we're lacking something. We're not what it says. We're not mature and complete. We're lacking Turn to the person next to you and say, you're ill-equipped to handle your mess. <laughs> you are, and isn't that great news? Consider that joy. You are, you're ill-equipped. You should be a pastor like me, so your life is perfect. Are you with me, though? Why are we pretending that we have everything together? We don't. We don't. I mean, we're so foolish. We even look at people's lives on social media and we go, wow, they're doing it. No, they're not. <laughs> they're messed up just like you are. But listen, one of the things, one of the good things, the good stuff that can come out of trial, resistance, persecution, is that you and I, we get more mature. We get more and more complete. We're not yet there. We're growing. We're getting better. It's, it's the old story. <laughs> I heard this in seminary. It's the pastor saying, well, you know, before I met Jesus, I used to cuss you out at a drop of a hat. But now that I've been following from Jesus my whole life, I don't do it as quickly. <laughs> it's like, I'm getting better. I'm immature. I'm incomplete. But God is, man, he's growing me. He's teaching me these things. And listen, if you've ever been overwhelmed, if you've ever been in a situation where you do not know what to do, Here's what James says. Next verse, he says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it'll be given to you. So great news. You're lacking to get through this situation. Your willpower is not strong enough to do it. That's why you keep going back in it. We all do this, but it's okay. Because we can ask for wisdom and he will show us what to do. And it's even better because we have the Holy Spirit. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you put your faith in him. You don't just operate on your willpower. You have God's power. You can handle your thing. 
that's really good news. Why am I screaming so loud? I'm basically saying on, on the other side of our struggle is a stronger, better, more faithful, more God loving, more loving of neighbor self. But it takes, it, sometimes it just takes the resistance. It takes going through that dark valley because we learn things, we are shown things that we would not see if we didn't go through it. And listen, I, I know. <laughs> I, I don't like to be uncomfortable. I don't like painful things. I, I hate going to the dentist. I, I don't like when relationships get messy. I, I don't like when there's awkwardness in the room and, and you can just feel it and no one wants to acknowledge it. Ah. I, I don't like being misunderstood. And you know what all those things do? They, they create environments and opportunities for, for me to have a conversation with a number, another human being who God so loves. And in that relationship, we can both acknowledge that we are human, we are imperfect, and give each other the benefit of the doubt, and leave room for the Holy Spirit to convict, to encourage, to love, to show us wisdom and how to operate in those relationships. This is really good news. And sometimes we pray, God, would you take this thing away? And he's going, I got you right where I need you to be. I know it's unpleasant, but I need you right here. Because you haven't learned this in the other environments. I, I need you here. And this too shall pass. I'm, I'm that good. I'm that loving. But for the moment, for the meantime, I need you here. So, so here's how I want to wrap up our time together. Um, Let's do this. I'll give you three three things. Go, go ahead and take out your phone and just take a, a photo of this real quick because I'm, I'm going to go pretty quick. Um, number one, in your conversations with people this week, you don't have to do it right now, but this week, it, it, your small group, your family, coworkers, neighbor, what resistance have you experienced? It could be last week. It could be last year. It, it could be something. What resistance have you experienced? And number two, how did the gospel impact you? In this situation. How, how did the good news of Jesus Christ. The king of kings and lords of lords. That relationship you had with him. How did that change? And number three. What good came out of your experience? Some of us were in our resistance. And we are right in the middle. We're, we've named it. And we've said. Okay I'm, I'm putting the gospel in here. I'm, I'm holding on to hope. I'm putting my faith in Jesus, but I haven't experienced the good yet. And I, I, I love that you are in such a wonderful spot because, because the church has, a, church has an amazing opportunity. The people in your life, the Christians, the followers of Jesus Christ have an amazing opportunity to come and for us to share our wounds, our brokenness, our hurts, our stories, and our struggle, and how the good Lord has redeemed it. And when we do that, we give hope to one another. We immediately eliminate isolation and loneliness. This thought of, I'm the only one. I'm sure I'm the only one. And you find out, no, there's someone that just like me. This is the challenge this week. What resistance have you experienced? We all do. Do not buy into the lie that you're not going through a hard thing and life is perfect. Everyone around you, you're like, oh, it's great. No, it's not. It's not. 
It's not for... Can we just be normal? And, And when normal is met with normal, can we love one another? And and when we do this, I promise you, it will give us hope. It will give us healing. And the world around us will look at this and go, what what is this? And we simply respond, it's not my willpower. It's not my wisdom. It's not my ideas. It is the power of Jesus Christ working in our relationships. I know of no better way to get through the resistance. I'm amazed and a little bit saddened for people that that do not know Jesus and live life on their own. I think, man, what a struggle. I promise I can help you. I promise I can. You need to know Jesus. You will have more hope. I know you don't trust God, but he will prove himself. And there's a community that does not want to ostracize you, but there's a community called the church, the Christians, the followers of Jesus that want to rally around you and encourage you and help you along the way. And we will carry that burden. Why? Because we've been there and someone carried our burden. This is what it means to be the church. And friends, when you and I do this, this takes the resistance, the persecution, the hurt, the broken relationship and makes it good stuff. It is the power of God at work in humanity. So here's the challenge. This is it. What resistance have you experienced? How did the gospel impact you in the middle of that situation? And then what good came from it? How has God redeemed it? How has he shown himself? That's the task. Father God, would you help us be the people that live this way? I pray, Lord, that the stories we tell would not just be the highlight reel, but the bloopers as well. God, would we be vulnerable and share that we don't have it all together? Sometimes we we have questions and we have doubts and we wrestle with them. We've been frustrated. And God, when those opportunities come, would you, would you empower us? Would you show us? Would the Holy Spirit guide us in how to have those conversations? May we never feel threatened in those, but would we feel your peace and your love in the midst of those conversations? I pray, Lord, that as we share those stories of difficulty, and yet, man, your Holy Spirit was right in the middle of that and the healing and the good that's come out of this. Father, I pray that the culture would shift, that it would change. That people that are so far from you, people that are mad at you, people that want nothing to do with the church, God, would they become curious because they've heard our story. And I pray, Lord, one conversation after another, that you would shine a light in a very, very dark place. For those that are in the middle of resistance, their struggle, their trial, whatever we want to call it, God, man, would they lean into you? They may be doubting your goodness or that you even have a plan for this, Lord, but would your Holy Spirit just warm their heart, reassure them, let them know they're not alone, not just because you're with them, but the church is behind them as well. I pray that jobs are changed, work environments are different, families are healed, marriages are stronger, Relationships between parents and kids, Lord, just full of love and understanding. I pray for the person in the room that just feels really far. And they're just struggling, Lord. Would your Holy Spirit reach out and touch them? Let them know that they are loved, that you do have a plan, 
And God, may they be bold enough to share that they're going to step out in faith for the very first time, maybe, and trust you through this. And would your church, Lord, would we rally and gather behind and just love, support, and encourage along the way. We pray all these things in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. And the church said, amen, amen. amen. We're going to respond how we always do. Would you stand with me? I feel like a God that can meet us in our valley, in our darkest spots, and guide us through it. I feel like he's worthy of our praise. So stand up if you're online. Even stand up in your home. If you're in the car, don't stand up. But, you know, if you're streaming wherever. But stand up and let's worship Jesus with one last song.